Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Night Shift here on 610 Sports Radio. The Odyssey app, however you choose to listen, we thank you. I'm your host, Chris Uno Cerro. I am joined by my producer, Grant Nicholson. Grant, how's it going tonight? No complaints. No complaints so far. Boy. How about yourself? <laughs> oh, my God. We were in there in the control room there. <laughs> Josh was doing post game. Holy hell. So I have not seen the phone lines light up for post game like that in a long time. Those were jammed, man. There were so many people calling in. They were very, very angry about this team. <laughs> they were not happy. Were I can't so really blame them either. Look, I, I mean, what'd you expect? This team was already bad with Witt and Benny. What do you think they're going to be without those guys? I mean, I understand all the people being angry about the whole situation. It sucks because you're watching, especially because there's probably a lot of people who are listening to Vern that just started listening during the 14-15 season. And if you just started listening, then you weren't really around for the real bad years. You weren't around for the Buddy Bell years, the Tony Pena years, the, uh, the, the what is it, the Trey Hillman years. You weren't around for that. So there's a lot of people that are just getting caught up in the game on that. And for them, when they got in, the team was good, and the team was competitive for years. Soon as they fall off, well, now it's, well, we got to get back to winning. we got to hurry up and get back to winning. And it is just so hard for a team like the Royals to do that. I know it's hard to swallow. And I know there's a lot of people, oh, look at this team or that team. Teams are are trying to tank right now if they're not a contender. If they don't have young guys that they're building up, they're trying to tank. So the team's going to be bad for a little while, especially now that they've uh, sent away some of their, their best players. And I imagine that they'll probably move some more players in the near future. I imagine that after the season, they'll look at seeing if they can unload a, a Barlow or uh, a Hunter Dozier or guys like that. It's not going to be pretty for a long time. I shouldn't say for a long time because I, I know like Vern thinks that they have a, a shot to be a competitive team in 2024. And I, I hope he's right. I think there's a they, they've been stocking the cupboard full of talent. They got some some top 30 prospects from other teams' organizations via trade this year. Um, 
they've got options. And I'll talk more about this Royals team later because uh, I really want to go in on how they've addressed the, the trade deadline. But uh, if you want to weigh in on anything that we talk about this evening, you can call in or you can text in on the J Southland Tow Service text line. The number is 913-586-7610. If you were uh, just listening to Josh Vernier on uh, Vern's postgame show, you uh, certainly heard the animosity that a lot of people are having right now towards this team, which I understand. But y'all got to have to wait. Because uh, this is going to be a long process here with how bad this this team is performing and how many young guys that they are are putting out there. It's, it's going to be a process. Uh, we'll have Ron Kopp from Arrowhead Pride come on at seven o'clock. He will talk. Uh, we'll talk to him about training camp. There's a lot of really. I mean, seriously, like this is a time I think that has kind of settled a lot of people's fears of the unknown about this Chiefs team. I have some uh, observations. I'll I'll go over some winners and losers here uh, in about 15 minutes. But I want to start with uh, the big story right now in sports, which which involves the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns named Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, it was announced on Monday that uh, he was given a six-game suspension by the NFL, and it was seen by a ton of people as way too lenient, way too soft, especially for a league that's had so many issues with uh, punishing their players. And because there was so much outrage, there it put a lot of pressure. It's put a lot of pressure on the NFL to try and expand upon that. They, after that initial ruling came out, it, we learned that there were, they had three days to appeal this ruling. It was handed out by Sue L. Robinson, who is a former judge who basically was brought in kind of as an independent arbitrator, if you will. The NFL and the uh, NFLPA agreed to that in the last CBA because the uh, Players Association really didn't like how they handled, how Roger Goodell handled doling out player punishment, which is understandable. And... The NFL finally announced this afternoon that they will appeal the ruling. And uh, according to, I think it's Judy Batista from NFL Network, they are looking to get a full year suspension in addition to a fine for one Deshaun Watson. Now, if you followed the NFL for a long time, you would not, you should not be surprised at a, how short that suspension initially was, and B, that the NFL would make the attempt to try and get that suspension lengthened by appealing it. And the reason why is because if you followed the NFL, you know that the NFL has mishandled so many player punishments over the years. I remember talking about this years ago, back in like 2014, when the Ray Rice situation had come down. And if you remember Ray Rice, I think it was, was in May of 2014 video came out. I remember I was watching first take and they were, they were, they showed the video and I was like, Oh man, that's bad. And it showed Ray Rice dragging his then fiance, now wife out of an elevator unconscious. And he was given a 
They did a lengthy investigation. They talked to him. They talked to his fiance, gave him a two-game suspension. And people were disturbed by that, but they accepted the suspension. Then, in August, out came the video that showed them in the elevator with him actually hitting his then-fiance and knocking her out. And the NFL suspended him again indefinitely after that came out. And they acted, they said, hey, we did not know that he did that in the elevator. He did not tell us that. Now, it turns out that they actually knew what happened. He had been honest and forthright about what had happened. It was just them reacting to the reaction from the public after everyone else saw what happened in there. Because it humanized what is a big problem for a lot of players in that league, which is mistreatment of women, whether it be through sexual harassment, assault, or domestic violence. That sort of stuff has kind of been allowed or swept under the rug at the collegiate level. We've seen many scandals come out over the years, especially the last decade in college football. Think of the Baylor situation, um, Penn State as well, where you've seen teams cover up these scandals involving players or coaches sexually abusing others. It, it has been something that has been a big problem in the sport of football, and we've seen it expand into the NFL over the years. And the NFL really, their version of being tough on those crimes was giving out a one-game suspension or giving out a fine. Two-game suspension was actually really rare at that time. So when Roger Goodell came out after that point and said, man, I gave, I gave Ray Rice a, a, a stiff suspension. We were tough on this. This is not something we want our players to do. He was correct because they've always mishandled this sort of situation. Now that they saw the public reaction to players committing domestic violence, players committing other acts that are illegal, that are wrong against other people. They see that public reaction. Now, all of a sudden, they have taken a strong note of public opinion of how they handle their player conduct. And that means that the league is going to make sure that no one will mistake them for being a soft on, on player misconduct type of league. They can't have that, especially with all the sponsors that they have, especially with the fact that they really try to push philanthropy out there. They're trying to market the game to women. They're trying to market the game to children. You can't have all those things. Try to push your game as a family product and then have a bunch of players out here committing the kind of misdeeds that Deshaun Watson was accused of. You can't have that. So when you have a six-game suspension come out, and the public sentiment is that it's too lenient, you need something stiffer, well, the NFL is going to go out of their way to ensure that they tackle that ahead of time and make sure they give as tough a penalty as possible. And that's the reason why uh, I, I think at this point now, if you're the Browns, you're Deshaun Watson, you should expect that he will not play this year. I could see minimum 12 games. But I think if you are being realistic, the league is going to do whatever they can to ensure that Deshaun Watson doesn't suit up this year. They're going to do everything in their power. And just think about it a few years ago when Deflategate happened. 
they went out and did everything in their power to ensure that Tom Brady got suspended four games because he smashed his phone. That's it. It wasn't even about deflating footballs because they already knew that that part was fake. They had no evidence of it. They already knew that part was fake. They knew that Tom Brady had nothing to do with the PSI on those balls. According to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, uh, everybody in the league office knew that that was BS. It was They could actually scientifically prove that it was just the cold air out there that they were playing in that caused the deflation of those footballs. Like, they knew that. But for them, it was the perception that the New England Patriots were cheating that they couldn't handle, that they didn't want to deal with. And so you know what they did? They did everything they could. They fought this man for a year to get him to be suspended for four damn games. Not a whole season. Not half a season. For four games, a quarter of the season, a team like the Patriots who, even though he missed four games that year, they still won the Super Bowl. And You had Roger Goodell going out there having to hand the Lombardi trophy to a guy that he pursued with every ounce of vigor to, per, to suspend. It was so relentless. And that was a much, much less less serious situation than what we have right now. I guarantee you that Roger Goodell and the NFL are going to do everything they can to make sure that Deshaun Watson doesn't play a down this year. And and, and look, the Browns expect it too. Deshaun Watson expects it. If you look at his contract, his his salary this year, his base salary is like a million dollars. That's it. The re- every other year he's getting paid like over $30 million minimum. I think next year it's like $32 million. Like every other year he's going to be making tens of millions of dollars. But this year it's $1 million. $1 million plus like I think it's like $7 million in a signing bonus. They know he's not playing this year or playing most of this year. And that's why they, they structured that contract the way they did. Certainly the Browns will try to fight it because they don't want to go a whole year without the quarterback that they just traded for because that's basically a wasted year. And Deshaun's going to fight it because it essentially means that he'll have missed two straight seasons of his prime. And I don't think anybody wants to, to miss two seasons of their prime, but it is what it is. You shouldn't have done what you were alleged to have done. But at the end of the day, the NFL is going to relentlessly pursue this because they know damn well that if the public perception around them is that they are soft on a, a situation like this, then people are going to re- they're going to roast them all over social media. And the NFL is a little bit sensitive when it comes to public perception about them. So we've already seen a lot of players fall up and down the depth chart since the beginning of training camp. And I'm going to tell you who I think the winners and losers are from Chiefs training camp coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
back to the night shift here on 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Chris Nocero, Grant Nicholson. Make sure you stay tuned. 15 minutes from now, Ron Kopp from Arrowhead Pride joins the show to talk Chiefs training camp. But I want to get into who I think the biggest winners and losers thus far with Chiefs training camp. They have been having their first official full team practices for a week now, save for Sunday, which they had off. But if you've been paying attention to uh, the guys over at Arrowhead Pride, if you've gone to practices, there certainly are some players that have stood out and some that have fall into the very back of the line or pretty close to my first big winner that I have for training camp thus far. And I, I was at training camp on, on, for, on Saturday last week. So I, I got to see him up close was uh, Frank Clark. Frank has, he's down a lot of weight. I think he's down around like the two fifty range. Now I know a lot of people were kind of worried about it. Cause they saw him, they saw like a picture uh, that lo- made him look like he was really, really skinny this off season. So a lot of people were worried about him, especially because we know that he's had stomach problems over the years that have uh, kept him out of some games or kept him out of practices or whatnot. So there was some concern there. Frank looks good in camp. He's you can definitely tell he's lost some weight. He, he, like I said, he was down about 250. He said that he was um, around 260, over 260 before. Uh, I will talk more about him in, uh, coming up in about an hour, but very impressed with what Frank has done. He has come in. He looks faster. He looks he looks stronger. He looks like he's got a lot. He looks like he's got a lot more zip to him. There's more uh, energy with him. He looks like he very much understands that this could be it for him in Kansas City. And that, and he talked about it at the end of the after the Bengals game about how he wants to be here in Kansas City. His his children go to school here. He has a house here. He loves being here. And he made it very apparent that he 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 showed us the fans that he loves here, that he loves being here and he showed the team that he loves being here. And that's why he took that pay cut. And I'm going to tell you this, like, I am very impressed with what I've seen from him thus far. He definitely looks like he has bought in. And I'm really excited about what he could do after uh, once this season comes up, because if he can be a force for this team, if he can just do like eight, nine sacks this year, that will be a lot as far as being able to contribute, especially when you've got Karloftis, when you've got Dunlap, you've got Chris Jones. Uh, I know Dan is a guy that a lot of people think could could have an impact this year. Uh, there's a lot of different guys that you look at and you could be very impressed with. But if Frank can can go out there and be that guy that we saw him be a couple years ago, Frank definitely could be a, a major impact guy and help this defense, help the Chiefs win games. Do you think the eight or nine sacks is is realistic for yeah. Frank Clark? Yeah, I think if, if – I don't know about that. With If he – because he the, his biggest issue is Can he get what, to seven first? Yeah, I mean, you have to get the seven first. Well, to get yeah, to eight but I mean, let's not put him <laughs> ten sacks already. I mean, I'm not saying ten. I'm just saying like eight or if he could do eight or nine. I'm not saying double digit sacks here. Like that's that's probably a little bit of a stretch. Even though he was a double digit sack guy when he was in Seattle, but I I think his big issue has been health. I think when he has not been feeling well, he has not performed well. 
But right now, he looks like he feels great. And I'm going to take his word for it that he, like, you always hear that cliche, best shape of my life. I believe it with with Frank Clark. I really believe that he is in the best shape of his life. So I'm going to, right now, I'm, I think he's he's winning in camp. He looks really good. You always hear his name being being talked about amongst the standout guys. I know Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride has been every day. Oh, no, Frank Clark, standout guy on defense. So yeah. I'm going to take his word for it. Well, and I also know that, you know, he's played in the majority of the games he's been here. He yeah. played in 14 games, 15 and 14 again. Right. But every single week, it felt like he was a game-time decision or he was missing practice. He had a little thing with his hammy that his calf was tight. Right. So if he can just avoid that, like you're saying, you know, yeah. optimism. And, optimism. And he's he's made some, like I said, we'll talk about this more in an hour, but he's definitely made some lifestyle choices, some changes in, in lifestyle that I, I think could help out with that. Um, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Cause I, I believe him he, the way he was talking on Saturday after practice. I, I'm a, I'm a believer in him for now. My other, another winner that I have is Juju Smith Schuster. Juju has been by far the best receiver in camp. It's not even really that close. Certainly other guys have stood out. Sky Moore has stood out. Uh, MVS has, has definitely been a standout, but Juju has been widely regarded as the receiver that Patrick Mahomes has the best chemistry with in camp right now. He's been making the biggest plays in camp. Um, and that's, I think that was the biggest concern that we have about the, we had a, maybe even about this team, but certainly about the offense, who was going to step up and be the, the replacement for Tyreek Hill, maybe not, you know, go out and get 1400 receiving yards, but let's try to get to a thousand. Who could we trust to get to a thousand? And there were a lot of question marks about a lot of different guys, but the guy that we looked at and was like, if he can get going, he can be the guy that could carry the load outside of Travis Kelsey in the receiving core. It was absolutely Juju Smith-Schuster. He was the one with the most upside of the guys that they had because of what he showed in uh, in Pittsburgh before he started having his injury problems. I think that Juju has had a, a great camp. Every time I've seen any highlights on him, he he just looks – he hasn't been like crazy explosive – but it just seems like he's very consistent. He runs his routes well. He beats guys off the line of scrimmage. And when he has an opportunity to make a play, he makes it thus far in camp. I'd say he's a big winner there because instilling that confidence early on in the, uh, in the, in the preseason, that's so important. And it's going to be very important early on in the season because the Chiefs have a very tough schedule. I think it's like seven straight playoff teams or six out of seven playoff teams to start the year. It is an incredibly difficult schedule. So you need that chemistry built up pretty much from the get-go. And I know you say it doesn't look explosive, but it feels like the Royals or the Chiefs are trying to go away from explosive. I think they are they're, to they're an try, It sounds like they're trying to get like seven to 15 yards all the time instead of going for 20. Yeah, I, and I think they want to to a certain extent. But I still think they want to incorporate the explosive plays into their offense because that's their identity. Like you have Patrick Mahomes and you want those explosive plays to exist. But I do think they want to shorten it up a bit just because of how teams have been playing them the last year or so. So I, I do agree with that. The first loser that I uh, have on my list is, is Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon hasn't had a great camp. And this is coming off after 
he had a really nice set of mini camps. He was, I mean, I think MVS was probably the best receiver in mini camp for the Chiefs, according to reports. Josh Gordon was probably number two or three. You could argue with him or Juju, but Gordon has not performed very well in camp. He's had issues with drops and I think he might be a guy that may not make the roster. He may not make the final 53. I could see a situation where maybe they decide to keep him because he's a, he's a little bit more familiar with the system than a guy like maybe Justin Watson. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got cut. I think the experience, the precedent that he's shown in the past, even though he's missed so many games because of the NFL's archaic uh, marijuana policy, I, I certainly think that he hasn't done himself uh, any favors. And at his age, I could see the Chiefs deciding to go a little bit younger, especially because they're a team that's really trying to find guys with a bunch of upside. And I don't know how much upside Josh Gordon has anymore. You know, he's in his 30s and really didn't show a whole lot last year. A lot of guys were waiting for him to break out, and he never really did. So I, I'm a little concerned about him making this team. Another winner, Jody Fortson. Fortson was a guy that everybody was, I mean, look, he's the, he's the training camp darling every single year. Every year we talk about Fortson like, oh, he's going to come in and he's going to finally make this team and he's, he's going to be that uh, great story of the player who just came out from the depths and, and, and became an impact player. And last year felt like it might be that year. He performed really well last year in camp as a tight end. They I mean they've moved him around tight end wide receiver. They've they've kind of uh, you know volleyballed him back and forth, and eventually he found a spot as a tight end. And everyone was like, "This guy's got to make the team. They've got to keep four tight ends. He's got to be one of those four. And it, and they did. He was on the squad, and slowly but surely he started to make an impact. He start, he had surpassed Noah Gray as the number three tight end. And eventually he was in there as the number two tight end sometimes. And I was so impressed with him in that Washington game before he tore his Achilles. We were all really sad for him. And thus far in camp, like when I was watching him on, on Saturday, like it seemed like, like he played some with the ones he played mostly with the twos though. And it seemed like every time that Henny was throwing a pass with the twos, it was it was too, uh, it, it was too uh, Jody Fortson. And then eventually Fortson sustained that quad injury on Saturday and limped off the field. And I was a little worried because you know, we know what happened last year and we see how much potential he has. And he's a good story, so you don't want a guy like him to get hurt anymore. Um, luckily, they said it's just a strained quad, so few days and he should be back at it but seriously I I really am rooting for Fordson if we're talking about the Chiefs shortening up their offense a bit a guy like Fordson is perfect because of his size and we know the Chiefs like really big really tall athletic tight ends and he's the perfect guy because he's a former receiver I think he would be really good in this offense this year if they're gonna play the short game a little more so I, I really hope that this is a guy that stays healthy and they're able to rely on him because if they can get him healthy for an entire 17-game season, like he could end up maybe being uh, a starting tight end for this team in the future. I don't, I don't want to put expectations of him being Travis Kelsey, 
But from an athletic standpoint, he's got everything you want for a starting tight end in this system. And then my, my final loser here before we get to the break, Ronald Jones. A lot of people liked Ronald Jones going into the, the offseason. He is former starting running back with the Buccaneers. And eventually, the, you know, he was replaced as the starter by Leonard Fournette uh, as the Buccaneers went on their Super Bowl run, beating the Chiefs. Ronald Jones has a lot of talent as a runner. The problem that he has is that he doesn't have anything else that sets him apart. He's not good at pass protection. Not very, I mean, he's, I think PFF has, has him rated as like one of the worst pass protecting halfbacks in, in, uh, in, uh, in the NFL. And if you know Andy Reid's system, you know that he values pass protection in his, in his halfbacks. He also is not someone that you typically rely on as a receiver, as a pass catching back. He's not that guy. And if you can't rely on him to catch passes in this offense, where Andy loves to use his receive his his running backs as short yardage receivers, well, you're gonna have a hard time making this team. And it's been very apparent with how they have run their camp because you're seeing guys like Jarek McKinnon get more touches than Ronald Jones. You're seeing guys like Isaiah Pacheco getting touches with the ones. Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round running back. You're seeing Pacheco. You're seeing Derek Gore. You're seeing uh, Ely. You're seeing guys like that go out there and get about the same amount of touches as Ronald Jones is with the ones. And I'm going to tell you this. This is an extra a freebie here before we get to the break. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, I think, is making this team. They, they, Dave Tobe already said that he's going to be, right now, he's their number one return guy. I'm telling you. I could see Pacheco getting a decent amount of touches in the offense. They really love his speed, and I would not be shocked if at some point, if he develops the ability to run routes, that they try to turn this dude into the next Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was a running back when he was coming out of college that was converted into a wide receiver, and with the four, I think, I think it's like four three six, four three seven speed that Pacheco, if he can develop the ability to run routes, they would totally turn him into at least a gadget player that could play receiver and running back. Don't be shocked if, if that happens here. But I think Pacheco uh, very quietly has had a very good camp. And I was, I was telling, I was, I was talking about this on Saturday with my, with my, uh, my, my best friend who was there. And I think some people around were, were listening to it. I was like, Pacheco's going to make this team and he's probably going to have an impact on the, on the offense this season. Coming up next, we talked to lead analyst from Arrowhead pride, Ron Cobb. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.